0: you have it i come up blank every time the mic's on i'm like man i'm brain dead and i also am not that good at being on my feet that's why i'm not good at interviews like we play this game called zip zap zap with my students yeah theater one i'm always the first one out
1: i cannot it's too much pressure (laughs) i believe that All right. Welcome to Fascism Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Jackie. Yeah, we talk about things in art and fashion. We read everything from highbrow academia to the trashiest trash online. And then we, you know, honestly, there's not a lot of trashy trash, actually. But
0: I think a lot of people think fashion is trash. Mm. So therefore... Mm -hmm. It's like they inherently think it's frivolous, useless, and people that are into it are trash. So
1: we're two besties who met in grad school and discovered that we both have a Nancy Drew-like desire to just learn about little niche topics Mm -hmm. and then just gab, gab, gab with each other about them. And to that point, this is a conversational podcast. If you're looking for some Ira Glass-ass shit, uh, that's not this. We, this is very DIY. We mispronounce things. And if you don't find it charming, this is just not the place for you. But if you like learning about things and having fun and you want to feel like you're at a sleepover and these two really, you know, just. Annoyingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's two people who are just talking your ear off We're your gals. God, we are stoned today. What's trending with you? Trending for me. Uh, Is humiliating myself on the internet. Why? What? I have an embarrassing story. Uh, Have you not told me off air? I haven't told you. Okay. I wanted to do a live reaction, and I'm truly ashamed of this. So I I had to tell you a little backstory. Unfortunately, this story involves the Bachelor franchise. And
0: (laughs) I feel like that's what you do when you're not doing. This content, it's the Bachelor franchise content.
1: I'm deep in it. I listen to at least three podcasts that cover the show.
0: And you have passionate opinions about it too. I've seen I've seen the the way you talk about it. There's a glitter in your eye, you know? Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) I've told Brian that I think we would do a great recap podcast. Try to
0: get like rope him into a podcast. I think
1: we would I think it'd be good. So Bachelor in Paradise has almost ended and there's been a lot of drama as always. I mean, the show is horrible to their contestants. They get, they basically like overproduce the show. It's essentially their acting, but then they still have to suffer the consequences of having people like messaging them online being like, why did you do that? You're such an asshole. So I started following a couple of the. Like contestants on tiktok tiktok is the place you want to follow them on instagram it's just bikini pics but on tiktok it's like where they really let their personalities shine and i have a bit of a soft spot for bros i think bros are fun a lot of the times just bros can be fun obviously not every bro but there was one relationship on the beach where it was like behind his back she was talking shit about him for not having enough money she was like he's 26 like He can't even afford to go to Equinox. Like I have a trainer. And it's like you get where she's coming from where like you want to be in a similar position to the person you're dating. Or maybe you don't, but that's a – I mean people date within their class. It's like a very normal thing. But she was obviously being very rude about it. Or maybe
0: like that's the thing that you joke about with your girls. I don't know.
1: like, But not on TV. Yeah, not on TV. And also, it's just, like, yeah, the thing you joke about, it's, like, these people are, they're playing the game, you know? Like, it's a TV show, and she probably knows she was being an asshole. I mean,
0: yeah, a hundred percent.
1: But anyway, so he he posted this video where he had headphones in and was, like, saying, he was, like, talking about, like, Disney Channel original movies or something. He said, no AirPods, not boyfriend material, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I don't. I refuse to get the AirPods. Yeah, me too. But I was just making a joke about like. How yeah, yeah, yeah. She was railing on him for being poor, <laughs> and he responded. I love that. He responded immediately and said, "Sounds like Kate." Like that was the girl. And I got triggered because I thought that he was. I didn't. Th- I thought that he didn't understand that I was joking because he was like saying the joke part out loud. He was like, "Sounds like Kate." I'm like, "Yeah, that's the joke." Yeah, is that I'm like. And so I just felt so triggered. I
0: mean, yeah, I get right? it. Right? Like,
1: do you do you get that? That's a weird response where it's like,
0: yeah, no, no I totally get it.
1: Well, I <laughs> thought he didn't know I was joking, and then I was like, I don't want him to think I wasn't joking, but also I'm annoyed that he didn't know I was joking. God. So I responded and I was like, LOL, good job. You got the joke. And then like literally less than five minutes later, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and delete that.
0: Oh, that wasn't even that bad.
1: But he had already deleted it. And I then I was telling Brian later, and he was like, you were clowning on him. I feel bad for him. And now I'm like, oh my God. I At first, honestly, when he responded, I was like, it felt like I was talking to a celebrity, like one-on-one. I was like, <laughs> I was like scrolling through us like he's barely responding to any of these comments like I'm special.
0: Was this on the fascism podcast? Yeah. Oh I love that.
1: Yeah. Get get the word out you know. I know but now I just feel like I was really rude for no reason. No it's first off
0: the internet is a chaos monster that you cannot stop and it's growing at a pace that's unbelievable and the TikTok world isn't a place to like ever expect for people to understand nuanced conversations. So, like, you weren't that bad. Like, I think if if you came on to somebody's, like, if you called them names or you, like, made fun of how they looked or something, that would be the problem. I think you literally said nothing. Like, you didn't even say anything. I thought you were going to tell me, like, because, like, hope has gone off on people in a way that's, like, you can, like, nail it. Online? Yeah, I thought Twitter, you were, like,
1: you know, Twitter does I got is in like worst. one argument, but I'm never mean.
0: Okay, see, but that's the thing. Um, I guess you tell it to me like you were, and I'm like, wow. Well, no, it's like an like-
1: argument, and we're both being heated. Yeah, so maybe a little mean.
0: <laughs> but like, this sounds like literally nothing
1: yeah this sounds
0: like literally you did you said lol you got the joke and that is i think you said it in the way where you could read that so many ways <laughs> you know
1: but he did delete it so i feel like he read it the, he read it the, a mean way but i just like i just don't understand when people respond to your joke by like saying the obvious part it's like
0: because they're dumb i mean i don't you know like i hate saying that men are dumb because i feel like that gives them too much but like sometimes they just plain flat are not they think they're funny when they actually don't get
1: It was pretty funny because on this thread, like one of the, he did do a video joking about trying to convince his TV girlfriend that he was rich. And this gym called Crunch Fitness commented and they're like you don't need to work out at calories burn the same at a fancy gym as as a cheap gym keep getting those gains but don't break the bank like just like totally playing into it and like equinox responded and was like had an emoji it was just like oh "Oh my God. god dude everyone's here
0: i hope he gets money though i hope he makes something
1: i think he will Good. Wow. I mean, I'm not
0: really worried about him, but yeah,
1: don't worry about him. You know. Uh,
0: but uh, back to you. No, that's all. You didn't do anything, wrong. Thank
1: you. I I had a feeling you were gonna, you were gonna talk me down off my
0: ledge. I I honestly wish you would have gone harder.
1: Well, why? Why we could be friends. I could be friends with him now. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I
0: just like that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't think there's any reason to ever engage. I'm not a person that likes to engage in arguments online because I'm like, what is this? Lead? Russian trolls, Yeah, this is what they want. Right, right. <laughs> and so I just don't engage. I just delete and block or whatever if I feel like it. But sometimes just I have commented on men when they're being misogynist. like. And sometimes you just got to be like, what the fuck? What are you fucking talking about? Like gotta just be like a little hard on them every once. so it's scary like the incel problem is real
1: anyways you think that we solve that by being mean to men
0: being like what are you fucking talking about maybe calling them because they live in a bubble where they think women it's scary it is scary different
1: thing different thing but like i don't know
0: it's on tiktok too i've seen it
1: well but a different thing than my situation like, Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, yeah. he's not like a
0: i'm just saying those are he the... went on
1: a lot of dates in paradise so he's <laughs> not an incel <laughs> <laughs>
0: so do people have open have sex now on that dude there
1: was a there's a boom boom room but this season like no one's talking about the boom boom room it's really weird and they have like a camera in the boom boom room and they like they don't film them having sex but they film them like getting in bed and i'm like so this footage exists somewhere no what do you think the cameras automatically turn on when they see dick there's a camera in the room i
0: think they get it on and then they're like okay shot done thank you good night and they go to their actual rooms. that's
1: yeah, but the camera really looks like it's on the wall somewhere. Well,
0: yeah, probably because it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they leave, you know?
1: They, like, there, a was a, there was a couple, they brought on a couple who, like, got engaged in Paradise, and they brought them on to be like, look, this process works. But their whole joke was that, like, the couple was trying to have sex because they were away from their baby and they couldn't, and they, like... Filmed them through the night and like she farted. And I swear they like amplified the sound and made it sound like she was farting a lot more than she was. And they probably did. Yeah. But anyway, they filmed her while she slept, which is weird. Anyway, what's trending for you?
0: Hitting goals. Okay. I, I want to say something. That's a brag about myself, but I'm really good at manifesting. I don't even like saying manifesting, but I'm really good at setting goals for myself and seeing them through. That's something that I can do. And I get a little mad when other people can't, you know what I mean? Because it does take a lot of work. And, like, I see people that are like, I want to do this. And then I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to suffer a little bit. And it, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And they're like, never mind. I was saying not to put down other people. But it is part – I think it is part of something in my brain that I need to, like, work on. At least giving more people empathy. If not Like, people shouldn't have to go through hard things to, like, get what they want. Like, I truly believe that. But anyways, with saying that, I've had some accomplishments that I've achieved, including – Finishing GIS, my GIS certificate, getting a GIS um, and cartography internship, which was a big deal. I quit my job that I unionized, which is another goal that we achieved, like, doing this podcast with you is something that we achieved, like. Um, I wanted to be part of a community effort, and I did it. It's unstable, of course, but I am part of a community, like, grassroots program. And um, I just now got my full-time job in the field that I wanted. So, yay, I got an offer. I haven't – you know, it doesn't count until the paperwork comes in. So whenever that happens. And it's – I don't think it's going to be, like, perfect by any means. And I'm not, like, exceptionally looking forward to working, period. But I am ecstatic – and proud of myself for working as hard as I have to get to this very entry level temp position. But listen, it's where I want to, I need to be like, it's part of, it's part of this growth period. Yeah. And it took a lot of work to get there. And I am so poor, you guys. I'm so broke. But I think I think about, like, people that don't have – like, my mom's a teacher, and she doesn't have really any money to give to me, but she still so- tries, and she does a good enough job. And I think about people that don't have a support system like that, and it really – I I see how hard it has to be because I have – the very little support system that I have has really helped carry me mm-hmm. to not, like, being out in the streets, essentially. Anyways, of the support system that I have and – because of my focus, I've, we're achieving things. And it also gives me confidence through everything that I end up doing. Because I just, mm-hmm. I know myself. Yeah. We set out goals. We achieve them. They're not always perfect. We learn from them. But it is something that I am proud of. Oh um,
1: yeah. I'm proud of you too. Thank you. Speaking of working hard. Yeah. You know who works really hard? Um, is Edward Enderfull. Uh, I'll do a brief intro and then I'm going to go check on the Groton. Okay. But this is our third episode of talking about edward ennenfoll's memoir a visible man we talked in the first episode about his young life getting to london and working at id as the first youngest creative director and then we talked about how he continued through the fashion world getting different jobs eventually working with calvin klein in the u.s and then starting to do stories for vogue italia let's start out with something juicy isn't that juicy Well, he meets
0: someone. Gets with this guy while he was at Heaven, his favorite nightclub in 1998. Can you say his name? Yue? I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce it. He sounds like... A fuck boy if i've ever heard one
1: <laughs> he's a german electropop musician very tall and handsome with a proud regal nose and a shaved head they meet at a bar they get talking he had just moved to london from berlin and he worked with computers i guess you could say that back then yeah Because like mean? not everyone it's like yeah we all work with computers he was a super
0: left-wing and a radically
1: racially
0: conscious for a white man but like his friends fucking hated it him
1: like, Edwin's friends didn't like him, like Yui. He was vegan, so I became vegan, too. He he stopped drinking. He stopped partying as much. He didn't like fashion. He didn't like fashion. That would be so annoying. Yeah. So they established this, like, chast domestic rhythm, having dinner at home, quiet nights in, and Edward starts to get bored, and he drinks in secret, and yeah, like you said, his friends don't like him. It was awkward for them to all hang out together. And then he starts to put on weight, which like, you know, whatever. He yo-yos a lot because of his sickle cell. But he's just like,
0: he's obviously not having a good time is what he's saying. He said nothing aids self-delusion like a jammed, packed schedule. I agree. Yeah.
1: Being busy is a form of like coping and avoiding. So he's basically saying that he like avoids the bad relationship by working. Essentially.
0: And he's like really kind of like separating his like work to his relationship. Yui didn't like anything about it, that side of him.
1: I mean, he may have liked some things about that side of him. He just didn't like fashion. Yeah, that's he like he wasn't into fashion, but he could still be like, I love how creative you are. That's fair. They didn't seem super aligned. And they broke up. And before they break up, he gets a job at Jill Sander, and then his mom has a stroke while she's visiting home at Ghana in Ghana.
0: Yeah, so her trajectory is like on a downward slope. Her health is. He also talks about Alexandra Lee McQueen. So Lee McQueen is Alexandra Lee McQueen. I thought he kept on talking like Lee McQueen. I was like, who's that Lee McQueen? So he just like bragging that he
1: has. I he like knows so. him By a nickname. I just want to say he does a lot of name dropping in sure. this book. Yeah. If funny. I ever meet anyone famous, I'm going to drop their name all the time. Yeah. I don't.
0: I don't mind it. But yeah, he talks about how they were like in the same group and how he reviewed Alexandra McQueen's collection in the magazine in the early 1990s and accused him of racism. And he was so upset by it. He showed up at the magazine, waited downstairs for me for hours to plead his case. I didn't want to hear it. But a while later, I ran into him out at a club and for too long, we were laughing and drinking and having a ball. So when my relationship with you, we fell to pieces and my mother was suffering. I desperately needed a friend and I turned to Lee, which is, I don't know, kind of wild. I'm interested on like how this argument really went by, like down. Yeah. What, what did you, what convinced you to that? It was not a big deal. And like, why was he so defensive? What's what was what was the accusation?
1: I want to I want to know I want to know more to this. Yeah, he he glosses over what could be some really intense, interesting stories. But he says that he like that Lee feels like home, working class, similarly obsessed with cultural arcana and references and research. I mean, I get that. Like that's you're my friend that does that. Glad that you're all you're not like racist. <laughs> and that that's not something I have to overlook about you.
0: He says that he has a dangerous mind or a, that he had a dangerous imagination. But as a friend, he was a simply a comfort, which I'm like, what?
1: What does that mean? I oh, mean, it's like he was chaotic and he had a dark side. But as a friend, he was warm and comforting. Yeah, but I'm still like... Warm, comforting, and racist. Yeah,
0: I'm still very confused. In what way was he comforting when y'all were like out partying? Like... Is it like when you're having a good time? But, there's this but aspect.
1: So, around this time, you know, he'd just gone through a breakup. His mom had just had a stroke. The phone rang. It was Naomi calling from Italy. I'm with Stefano and Domenico, she said, of the designers of Dolce & Gabbana. They love your work. I've just been talking about you and told them we were friends and they want to meet you. Off I went. Goodbye, heartache. Hello, Milan. I mean...
0: I think solving heartache with going to Milan and making money is fine. Great coping mechanism. I really, that's probably the best coping mechanism. Just have a gelato and make a dime. We can't mention without how, like, Dolce and Gabbana is, like, extremely racist and problematic. And I don't like that he doesn't touch on that at
1: all. Yeah, Yeah. And I'm sick
0: of, like, Dolce and Gabbana not getting any, like, reprimand for their behavior. Um, and the Kardashians even supporting them through their like sponsored wedding that they had. Like Courtney, it was weird for him to just even, like as like him saying that being an outspoken against racism, not talking about Dolce and Cabana in a light that's like
1: Yeah, they're like his client basically. Yeah, he's like Stefani's great.
0: He says weird things sometimes, but he's overall we have a good laugh. Like right, I'm like right. What the fuck, dude? Like I guess he just has to like this is the thing. You can't say you can't say the wrong thing about the wrong person. You can Right. Yeah, So, I would, or you can't even say the right thing about the wrong person. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just like, there's like, he can talk
1: down about Donald Trump, but he can't talk down about Dol- Dolce & Gabbana. Right, yeah. It's like, it would be powerful if he called out people within his own industry. Yeah. But he says that they're the polar opposite to fashion from Calvin Klein, whereas Calvin's output was spare. Their clothes were proudly sexualized, highly adorned, occasionally loud, and unapologetically va-va-voom. Um yeah and they click instantly they were looking for someone to work with on their menswear and they wanted to know what i thought i told them that they needed to lean even harder into their italianness and sex appeal yeah great way to get in a job tell an italian just be more italian i think you should just be more italian (laughs) they do love that yeah (laughs) <laughs> Jackie says this <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, resident Italian <laughs> local exactly. Italian Jackie Donovan
0: okay this is this is but he also says I didn't want to end up like Judy who had an incredible body of work and no financial security I was like Judy has it hard enough okay He's, <laughs> okay like we don't need to call him out
1: didn't want to end up like Judy <laughs> exactly I was like damn he was like I woke up one day and said to myself you need to buy a house and it's like yeah I wake up every day and I'm like god i want to buy a house
0: yeah he says it's like an african thing and i'm like no i think that's a normal thought
1: process Yeah, no we all know that buying a house is like a good investment <laughs>
0: he just wanted to keep going essentially to not have to think about his life he's kind of like spiraling out and he meets alec who eventually becomes his husband they kind of, like, hit it off. He's, like – Alec is poor, and he, he likes to bring that up a little bit. He's, like – He likes how he's working class. Yeah, he's, like – Yeah, he loves a working-class boy, just like him. And I'm, like, not anywhere. But, anyways, when his internship budget, like, they, like, would go – out With Edwin – Or Edward, they'd go out and, like, have a good time. But when it was on his budget, he sometimes would, like – Alec would, like, to reciprocate. Mm. He'd be, like, well, he was an intern at the time, so they'd have to go to, like, McDonald's. And I'm, like – I don't know. I thought I was just like very relatable because I...
1: Yeah, it's charming. It's like he didn't care. He just loved him, you know, and he he meets his friends kind of set them up a little bit and they're at like some party and he says, I felt something move in me, something I can't adequately describe even now. It was if the second hand had stopped ticking as if there were a tear in the normal space time continuum. I walked over to him, knelt down, put my hand on his knee and asked, are you gay?
0: and they had a little thing that didn't last just so you know and but they do end up getting back together which we'll talk about later but during the short time they kind of like were seeing each other a little bit here a little bit there but it wasn't anything serious and they eventually lose touch Mm. and also during this time he's like not paying taxes because he's just like going all the time and this is something i could easily see myself doing oh yeah i saw this and was like this is very relatable. It's relatable.
1: I mean, he's working so hard and he's making a lot of money. And it's like all of a sudden you have to like hire someone to do your finances. But you, he didn't do it soon enough. And then he gets audited.
0: Which I'm like, God,
1: I do love that he puts in
0: his like financial woes because it does feel like... More people need to talk about it because it's like really easy to fuck up taxes, mm-hmm. especially I think the wealthier get. I guess I don't know, like it's easy as a poor person. Well, yeah, it's easy
1: when you don't have assets. And like, there's a joke on some meme that was like, Yeah, like the government knows literally, knows exactly how much we owe, but they make us do a bunch of math and paperwork and then they punish us if we get it wrong. Yeah, it's, it's like, like so stupid. it's
0: a test that's like scary, yeah. like it has repercussions if you get the wrong answer. But yeah, he ends up like. Talking to his little sister, uh Akua, and they she has an accounting degree, which I'm like, yes, get those siblings that have accounting degrees. Yeah, dude, on dude, I really
1: wish my one of my siblings would do something useful like that. <laughs> not you. you would I wouldn't know. No. I know.
0: She was really still pissed off at him for not being around, but he was like,
1: listen, I'm I'm about to I'm about
0: to go bankrupt. I really need your help. And she was like, okay. I feel like she literally rolled her eyes and was just like,
1: I guess. And he, he that- was in danger of losing his flat and like, or having to declare bankruptcy. And he also, so he leaves his finances in her hands. And then he ha- he throws a party, his house. He throws a lot of parties at his house. And, but this one, at this party, someone steals his passport. He wakes up with a head pounding to discover his passport was gone so he panicked goes to the embassy with a bottle of vodka in his pocket and they told me it would take three days to get the required papers to travel to milan and i'm like three days i got a rush order passport i paid like over two hundred dollars to get a rushed passport so i could get go to mexico in september takes like six weeks that's a rushed passport wow. now. Six weeks. Yeah.
0: Fun fact. Arizona license, you don't have to ever change them. You can really? have one for 50 years. Wow.
1: You don't ever have to change it.
0: Yeah, you can have a baby picture of you on there. And That's
1: so cute. Is it? <laughs> A baby, a baby with a driver's license is pretty cute. But so this whole debacle drives him to, he calls Pat McGrath, his buddy, and he says, I'm giving up drinking and partying. And she says, oh, thank God.
0: Yeah, like he was just so embarrassed by like being hungover and losing his passport or getting it stolen and then like having to go through that and being late. He's just like, nothing will get in between me and my money. Right.
1: <laughs> I've gone too far. Now this is getting in the way of my documents and my work. It's like literally it wasn't your drinking. It was the fact that like someone- Somebody He stole stole something from you. And he didn't feel good about it.
0: He doesn't drink for several years. Stops everything but cigarettes. His little sister, Akua is still like helping him out and this is where she kind of like transforms and becomes his agent too. She's just like, I love her because she just seems to like take on and like run the whole show and does a really good job of doing it. Yeah,
1: oh she just takes over his finances completely. I'm like letting someone look at your bank account is like next level intimacy.
0: Yeah, she made like great
1: inroads into his financial like woes. So they really start having like a working relationship. She like his brother Luther and like him also loved fashion and understood photography and aesthetics. So she was like advising him Creatively as well as handling his business,
0: he says that she put him on a tight personal budget, controlled all his credit cards, and cut out the waste in his life. Which I'm like, that's a lot of power, dude. I know. I'm like, I'm a little scared. I'm
1: like, are you okay? But I guess this is good. It's good for him. He's a bad spender. Yeah. He he like runs into someone, one a stylist friend of mine from back in London. She asked me how I'd been. And when I told her that I'd stopped drinking, which told her that was really hard to get my bearings. And she said that she was an Alcoholics Anonymous, even though Jackie famously believes that people in the UK don't have alcoholism. No,
0: it's just different. Like, it's different. Definitely have alcoholism. But I think, like, the view of alcoholism. There's there's just, there's different, like, people are, what we consider alcoholics here, they wouldn't consider alcoholics there. Like, people go to pubs every night. Yeah, but that's not necessarily
1: good. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, like... They have a different relationship with alcoholism. Yeah. yeah. And then... So he starts going to AA, and he says, even if years later I'd come to realize I didn't fit the clinical definition of an alcoholic, I'm like, humble brag. He says, AA brought me closer to myself in ways that changed me forever.
0: AA was a bomb, a leveler, a welcome reminder that people's world does not begin and end with whether or not they shot the product campaign that season. Which I love for him because what it was is like, literally he's just like, I met people outside the fashion world, I feel like. He's like, hey, did you hear there's other people outside of like the fashion world? And at
1: the same time, he says that like he connects with a lot of people that he thought had just fallen off the earth, but it was that they had gone clean and it's like so isolating to do.
0: And he like really has to go on a forgiveness kind of as you do as people that are alcoholics kind of like kind of go out and just like, make a bunch of apologies he like really apologizes for, to his mother for not being there enough and she's like you know what are you talking about like you're my son which is sweet
1: he said that she was always forgiving
0: which touched my heart
1: and then he also reaches out to alec so it'd been a year to the day since they'd last talked he sends him an email told him he wanted to mark the anniversary and let him know there were no hard feelings um, if he ever wanted to get together and talk, I was happy to. So Alec was backpacking around Australia at the time. And, but he pl- replied right away and told me that he was going to be back in four weeks. And then from there, they start emailing every day, catching each other up on their lives and expressing how much they were looking forward to reconnecting.
0: Yeah. And just so you all know, not a spoiler alert, but kind of a spoiler alert. If they do get married, <laughs> they got married the day the queen died. And for some reason, I know that. But it was very recent. Like, this year, they got married. So they start on this relationship, and it's just better because he's health in a healthier place. He's working with Stephen – what's his face? Mizell. And Stephen
1: Mizell is, like – He's, like, the biggest big-shot photographer ever, by the way Edward describes him.
0: seems intense. He said he was working more than he ever had, and he was, like, hyper-focused, but he was, like – having to read a bunch and, like, stay on his toes because Stephen would just ask a lot of people and he wanted to do well, which I'm like, sounds like a people-pleaser problem. It's in my opinion, but okay.
1: Yeah, and so he'd worked with Stephen on ad campaigns... But this, they're going to work on an editorial shoot for Valentino. And so he's, it's like a different beast. So he talks to Pat McGrath, who briefs him. She says, you need to bring an enormous amount of clothes because he might get inspiration during the middle of a shoot and want to go in a different direction. He's an accessory monster with an endless appetite for new combinations. And you want to be ready and you want to please him. Well, he goes all in on the clothing prep for the shoot, and then everything gets held up in customs because he has some bullshit, good for nothing assistant who doesn't do the paperwork right. That would have been me. <laughs>
0: that would have been me. Does he say that? I didn't remember him saying that. They're blaming it on the assistant assistants have the worst job because they have to do everything that's hard Mm -hmm. and then they they get to be the person that throws on get thrown under the bus oh yeah she hurriedly wheeled the clothes rack to the loading area minutes before how did she she get them there
1: i was wondering that too i was like she had to fly over to london herself with cases and cases dang so she just flies over with all the luggage
0: whatever i don't know how important that story is but He's kind of showing his sister is now becoming, like, fully invested in
1: his whole career. Right. Yeah, seriously. He says there are okay shoots, great shoots, and utterly sublime ones, but in essence, the aim is always the same, to bottle stardust. I know, yeah.
0: I I mean, I just kind of, like, okay, so he works for Steven. Steven is, a like, considers him uh, a star maker because he, like gets obsessed with introducing girls to the world and he works with one or two constantly for a year and teaching them how to pose and move and they become the center of his attention and i guess they just get kind of thrown away to the next girl like or maybe they graduate i don't know like is that part of his it's like a schooling that he gets gives people i don't really understand it he is very very important person to know in the industry essentially
1: yeah, and seems to have a lot of knowledge to pass on. They're working together a lot, and Edward says that he didn't want to drink because, like, he would have a shoot, shoot with Stephen, and he wanted to be his best self. Basically, Stephen is his anti-drug, and... You know, around this time, it's like the world is noticing his work. More designers are reaching out to him to consult and style their advertising campaigns and runway shows. Armani, Fendi, Valentino, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, logical next step would be a call from American Vogue. But the months are ticking by and the call doesn't come.
0: And like he gets really insecure. And Grace Coddington, he's like, he would tell Stephen, your friend Grace Coddington isn't doesn't even like me and he's like i don't know why you keep on saying that because she always calls me and tells me how much she likes your work steven says that that like grace
1: said that about edward yeah
0: to edward and edward's like oh and then 2005 as he was eating an ice cream in midtown with one of his best friends bitching about how fucked up the industry was and why didn't grace call and mid-rant phone rang so he was talking shit about grace and then he's like Fucking Grace Coddington can sack my dick. And then she's like, ring, ring, ring. Edward. Edward. I'd love you to come in and meet Anna. That was that. And he was like, okay, fuck, this is amazing. I get to come in and meet Anna. This is a big deal. But
1: like, he's like, I'm definitely not going to get it, right? So might as well have fun. He calls Naomi to tell her and she starts crying, which I'm like, "It sounds Naomi sounds like a super sweet friend. I mean, she did hit her assistant, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But that's not, not. The thing in question
0: uh yeah she cries all the time according to edward <laughs> Because he's
1: like cried then she cried there she cried here and then Grace asked him to co- come in the following day which I'm like God damn it these people these people are just like on oh, my time baby I don't give a fuck what your do you vicious. want it how bad do you want it yeah it's like I want it but I also I gotta sleep I've got dance class it's <laughs> yeah. like I've got like three zucchinis rotting in my fridge I need to <laughs> shred them up and make gratin immediately <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to like walk my dog I need to maybe I just need to take a bath like but that's the thing he's running on fumes all the time and that's just because that's the industry. And he's putting his
1: career first and it's like you do have to do that to get to do what he's doing. But
0: I think he also puts a light on how everything crumples around him without the support of his team. Like,
1: well, yeah yeah
0: like you can't live like that alone
1: but and then you could you start making a shit ton of money and it's like you have to pay all these people to manage it to yeah. like help you because you can't do your life
0: yeah so i'm just like people like us that don't have the money or funds like to consistently put our head down you know and just work 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 and it's just like that's not attainable unless you're making already so much money at some point point. Mm-hmm. and i think you can do it when you're uncomfortable like what he did when he was in his 20s but i think he started to like when he bought his house and all these, fake income things, like... That's something that you have to consider if you want to climb the ladder. Climb that ladder.
1: Yeah, and he says that American Vogue is a different animal from the international editions. Under Anna's tenure, the magazine transcended its role as a straightforward media outlet to become an important fashion broker fashion power broker. American Vogue does not celebrate creativity for creativity's sake. It tries to balance art and commerce.
0: I would argue balancing art and commerce. It's straight up commerce, but it is trying to like, I don't even think it's good. It's not very edgy. It's not very interesting.
1: Well, I, I I would also argue that like British Vogue is also balancing art and commerce, right? Like,
0: yeah, good point. Yes, but it
1: sounds like he's making a distinction. And I believe that like there's, there's a difference. I mean, he talks about how Italian Vogue has like pages and pages of editorial spreads like they it, it is different
0: yeah it is different they also talk about yeah how less words there are in American Vogue versus it- it- Italian Vogue and I'm like yes because again it's just a bunch of ads
1: well you could have a magazine that's not doesn't have a lot of copy and is still not ads but yeah in the case of American Vogue it's it's just
0: ads, and and that's what Anna. That's why Anna has been so successful. It's not because she has a creative eye or she has like good taste. It's literally because she's made American Vogue wealthier, right, with the relationships that she, she's built. So like, and he talks really a lot about it's make or break for some clothes. Like if one skirt. Like, they know, people know, like, if a skirt gets into Vogue, the profits are going to be higher. Yeah. So, like, it's really important f- to build relationships with for these editors because, like, they know they can make an impact on their profit. Right. And I th- I think that needs to be remembered, I think, about when we say anything about Anna Wintour. Like, that is a key aspect of these editorial spreads is to – I rub your back, you rub mine. Yeah. Reinforcing the sp- – the system as they keep going and because it does become more popular. Yeah. Things become more popular if you, they get into the vogue. And then some spreads don't get into vogue and people are really upset because then they know that, like, rela- relationships can hurt when you, like, kind of promise a designer that this is going to be in vogue. And, like, Anna just throws things out without even talking about it. It's got to be stressful. Yeah. And not I just don't think it sounds yeah. even fun. I don't know why anybody wants to be in
1: this. I mean, it does sound fun to make some outfits with some really cool clothes. Like,
0: yeah, for sure for that part. But that's not what that's. It's not. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes you
1: get the opportunity to use really cool clothes. Sometimes it's like what mean, you have to sell. Right, right. It's like you're still working with some like pretty well-made garments. Yeah. But yeah, it would be very stifling to not be able to like ever include vintage or like, you know, DIY stuff. It would be that. That would be a bummer.
0: Yeah, and he talks about how it is stifling creatively, too, and, like, how he's, like, two weeks of – he's at, like, the Vogue headquarters. Another two weeks, he's, like, building relationships. and Doing, like, other freelance jobs. He does mention about, like, you couldn't do stories that were too out there or they ended up in the bin because Anna, when to again, doesn't, like, actually good – interesting things. Yeah. Stories had to be safe but not too boring. Walking that very fine line was hard to learn. Because it shouldn't exist. I didn't suffer too many personal casualties, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Okay, he shot this thing with some photographers in the Hamptons about a year after he had started there. And it met a sticky end. And unbeknownst to him, Anna killed the story and Grace reshot it with a different photographer, which is, like, annoying to me. But yeah. okay, Um, the amusing twist in the tale was that it was all captured in the documentary, The September Issue. Yes, it was. Whose crew have been shadowing Vogue staffers over the course of a few months. And it's, I think it's the one where she's like, where's the glamour, Edward? Where's the glamour? Where's the glamour? Goes up to Grace and he's like, I want to fucking kill myself. And Grace's comment is like, don't be so nice.
1: I don't know. Like,
0: what? I'm very confused by that. I feel
1: like Grace had a good rapport and dynamic with anna where she could be like fuck off dude yeah sort of but he talks about how anna has like a list of models she was eager to push an unofficial list and who they were encouraged to use there weren't a lot of black ones but he rocked the boat if he wanted a story with eight black girls instead of just the usual one often all he had to do was ask once again i became known to staff as the guy who shoots black girls which is pretty reductive, but fine by me. So, you know, he talks about how it's no secret that that in the past, Vogue's parent company, Condé Nast, was not an easy place for black and brown employees throughout the latter years of the 20th century. Its stable of magazines was built on a very specific fantasy of money, social privilege, whiteness, and thinness, and nowhere was that more apparent than at Vogue. And he talks about how black models were disappearing from the catwalk, like, I feel like in the 90s, You see more black models and in the 2000s. It, like, really goes back. It really goes to the, like, blonde white aesthetic. And it's, like, black people become, like, out of style, which is just, like, fucked up. He talks about Beth Ann Hardison, a barrier-breaking model. In the 1970s, became an agent that he would work with all the time at ID. She represented some of the best black models in the business. Yeah, after that year, after like a whitewashed season, she holds a town hall in New York, a panel discussion with Naomi, her best friend Iman, and they are educating the assembled public and the throngs of press on like how basically there have been like no black, no ethic casting notices that brands were sending out to model agents.
0: He wants to do a black beauty issue. So he connects with Vogue Italia and they do this issue.
1: He Well, so he talks to Steven about
0: the situation. He was born with the idea of July 9, 2008 an edition of Vogue Italia of, of the black issue as it come to be known. Cover to cover, every shoot, every page would feature and celebrate black people. It had not been done before releasing Condé Nast. And then he's like talking to a lot of the youth and just being like I guess on Twitter but he says he remembered thinking to himself that things would only change when we had like black women in magazines every month in multiple stores Mm -hmm. with multiple points of views and styles and looks and that, that like essentially became his goal. He was like get yourself into a position where one day you can make that happen. He just wanted to see more black women in magazines and he started to like feel really good about things like things were coming really together except for his like hypochondria which kept coming up Uh, otherwise in a good place but and he was really happy even though his like weight was um like yo-yoing and he says
1: he eats when he's happy and then lee mcqueen dies by suicide they had made up After they're falling out the year before. Again, he doesn't tell you why. I know. And they were supposed to do a show together, but then he canceled at the last minute.
0: And like I said, he's starting to use social media. And that was a big thing. And he was like feeling like his voice was amplified finally. And he was like really excited about that. And he really put out the message that if I can do it with my background and experience, you can too. Became my mantra when kids DM'd me or responded in my post. Which I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Because, one, he had certain circumstances and situations that led him to this opportunity that
1: not really anybody
0: can have these days. Not that it's impossible.
1: But it's like you have to sacrifice a ton and it still is very not likely to happen. The fact that I think that he's promoting the idea
0: that You can do it. You just have to work really hard. Isn't Isn't okay? I don't know. Like I I I want to make a world where people like don't have to work that hard. Black people especially don't have to work that hard to get work. They can
1: still have cool jobs or like not work a ton and you know do do things that that are exciting.
0: But he said study, intern, assist people, ask questions, believe in yourself. Uh, He said walk before you run. Don't assume you know more than you do, and respect your elders, but never give up. Fight for your images, fight for respect. I'm like, but you got to be more clear on what you mean for fight for your images and fight for your respect because, like, I feel like everybody would always say stuff like that to me, and I'd be like, but when, where, how, what, which, which person? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where, where? When am I not being respected, and when am I am? Because I was just like too naive to really understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you also don't want to like.
1: He does say that at Condé Nast, they they start these like company. He starts these company wide meetings where it's like part networking, part of a discussion. I guess Condé Nast starts it, maybe not him. He says he always int- attended when he was in town and senior level colleagues were like basically giving advice to the younger kids and like mentoring. So it seems like it's kind of like a coalition for people of color within Condé Nast to like help each other.
0: I would like more information on that.
1: He also talks about how much he loves Twitter because people will reach out to him. And I'm like, yeah, Twitter is cool when you're famous. I get it. He's
0: getting a ton of awards. He's getting like recognition. His like life is building up. He's like getting finally he's getting the pat on the back
1: that he deserves. I guess. status. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and status and recognition.
0: He would was going to get this British Fashion Council's fashion creator award. It had been named for the Brilliantly eccentric Tastemaker And fashion muse Isabella Blow, who had passed in 2007, and it celebrated people who were pushing the fashion industry forward. And he was really excited about this, okay? And Naomi was going to present, and then Naomi flew in uh, Rihanna, which he name drops a lot in here, Um, and he's like, these goddesses have my back. And he remembers standing there backstage, like, waiting for his name to be called, feeling really excited and really appreciative he said, "God, my life is going too well." Uh oh, dun dun dun. Something bad must be about to happen. And He said, "No sooner had this thought finished forming itself in my mind when a piercing, ringing noise suddenly shocked in its way into my ear."
1: That's not what you thought was going to happen, huh? You didn't think, "Oh, his ears are about to start ringing." I, I'm calling it. Yeah, you that that shocked you, right? Twists and turns we have in this story. What's it called? A uh, plot twist. I was like going to be like U-turn.
0: The ringing stayed forever, basically. He still has it. And it basically reaffirmed his belief that with the good, there always comes the bad.
1: Which, I mean, it kind of, yeah.
0: Like, well, or like, yeah. It'd be hard not to believe that after that happened.
1: Yeah. Do we know why his ears start working, ringing? Uh, that's the thing about tetanitis. It just happens. You just get, you just have it? It's or? very scary, yep. Mm. <sighs> yeah
0: that's why you gotta take care of your ears and wear earbuds
1: yeah he does mention that he like had gone to a lot of like club
0: yeah i'm like how many though can we have a number so i could know that i i if i'm gonna get tetanized or not because i did also go as a younger person i don't think i went as bad much as him but as a younger person i was going to a lot of yeah. shows yeah, but i was very conscious and like would put you would wear earplugs. realize the difference yeah i was i was just controlled be- chaos baby at the time it was his habit when something bad happened like my hearing sputtering out on a night when i was receiving a very important right recognition from the fashion world i turn it on myself did i do something wrong did i do something to bring on this misfortune how could this somewhat this somehow be my fault we all have this right like but he's really kind of like spiraling he's not this is this is him kind of losing his goddamn mind this is like the beginning of him being like
1: <laughs> health starts to suffer a little bit and then so they wanted to mark who wanted to i don't know his 25th year in the business with a series of short films, they were going to call them the seven deadly sins of Edward and in full Nick Knight was going to shoot them and they were going to were going to cast models who were particularly important to him to represent, you know, the seven deadly sins. Of course, there'd be Naomi and Kate and then there's other ones around this time. His vision also stu- starts sucking he starts seeing lines, he has a retina issue, he starts going to all these doctors. When well, he's like going to these specialists and getting procedures and then in between he's like still flying around the world and working and he just like shows up to events wearing sunglasses. And
0: by the way, he recently did an interview where he was like squashing the beef. He's like, I do not want Anna's position right now. He kept I'm saying right now. And we were like, he's like, I want to squash the beef. It's fine. If they get offered it to me, I'd say not at this moment. I was like, You're not answering
1: the question. If You're they really offered like... it to me, I would say not at this moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. But he was wearing sunglasses that whole time. And I was like, I thought to myself, he must, his vision must be fucking up.
1: Dude, totally. It's like people probably think he's trying to do an Anna Wintour thing where he wears sunglasses all the time. But he's like, No, dude. Like my, his retinas were like dangling by a thread.
0: That's, I know. I saw that or or read like how they were like, his retina was like falling out. Cause he's, he's like, Hey, you guys, this is weird. I'm having like, I can't see my my right eye and I'm also having flashes and everybody was like
1: they like googled it and they're like oh yeah you got to go to the hospital like, like right, right now. now you have
0: 48 hours before your eyeball completely falls out of your head I guess
1: I don't know it's just
0: very intense and that's so scary to go through something like that I don't I like just being like
1: ah. yeah and so some of these procedures so he gets hooked up with like the best surgeon through Diane von Furstenberg. Eventually. Eventually. Well, okay. And so during these times, he's like canceling freelance jobs or Akua is for him. And he's like having to get these procedures where he has to like keep his head in a really specific place. (laughs) Like he can't move his head because his
0: eyeballs will fall out. Like, can someone explain to me why he couldn't move his head?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know if I want to know the details, but to get through it, he listens to a lot of trap music and he listens to a lot of Rihanna. He (laughs) says, when Rihanna's voice wasn't flowing through the speakers, it was on the... other end of the phone again bragging. I know he's like really obsessed with Rihanna, which I'm like, that's a great obsession to have. I mean,
0: I guess she's also like a billionaire now, isn't she?
1: Yeah, but he doesn't have anything against rich people. He loves. Yeah, rich people. I know, but I'm also like, she's, yeah. okay, she's like one of the good rich people. I don't think she. <laughs> Why? Is. I think she makes her shit at the. You know, I'm sure she does. Yeah. I'm so, sure Savage Fenty isn't like, is it? Yeah, good to
0: like, does it pay a probably a, wa- a fair wage? I mean, it's. It's just like every other capitalist thing. But she also, I think, did a commercial with Johnny Depp recently. Oh, I know
1: that's unforgivable. I know
0: TikTok was like, there's this one girl that was like, This hurt, this really hurt. God, but he's just like loves Rihanna, so that's just where Edward stands. Like, Rihanna can do no harm, and Naomi either, he loves Naomi, right. But in addition to the dark fears and hopelessness, the lack of visual stimulation sent me into a very deep depression. I've always had a very hungry eye, which I I, I personally... I get that,
1: dude. So hard.
0: And I, me too. It needs to be fed with films, books, faces, nature, clothes, architecture, you name it. Constantly taking in references, mixing and remixing them in my mind, and then transforming them into something else. Suddenly I was in isolation, proofing photos through my good eye and then resting, unsure how longer the bad eye would even see at all. I was convinced it would happen to both eyes, and it very well could have. It was very petrifying.
1: Mm. And then a week after his surgery, he's contractually obligated to go to New York for the Seven Deadly Sins video debut. It's debuting in Times Square, and he begs his doctor to write him a note to get me out of it, and the doctor wouldn't. I know. What the fuck? Why? Like, he's like, sorry, I just No, you can do it.
0: Like, I just don't understand. Was he, like, did the doctor think he was giving good professional advice?
1: I also just, like, why did your contract require you to get a doctor's note to get out of this? It's, like, my eyes falling out, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's, like, it
0: sounds, it's like, you're not in school anymore. Does a doctor's note read, like...
1: That's a thing still? <laughs> yeah. Like, can a doctor's note get you out of, like, lawyer stuff? Yeah.
0: The, like, what does this do? Yeah. Okay, and through all this spiraling, because, like... He's being rushed. He had eye surgery and literally the next day. Was it not the next day? Something like that. Anyway, as he was recovering, he had to go to this thing in Times Squares, which is like the worst place to go for your for like Oh my god, visually
1: flashing light. Oh what a healthcare.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd be so upset. He kept his sunglasses on this whole time, like obviously. And then he got a call. Knew it the moment he got the call was from his little sister you know, the mastermind behind everything he does. And his mother had died. And it's just like,
1: boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And he said that she'd been declining steadily in the past few years. And then when my parents moved out of the house where they'd lived for most of their London lives, it felt as if something in her had let go, that she decided she was done with life. And that reminded me of Lynn's class where we learned about like, so we talked this class about like experience of place. And we learned about this one study where like, it was about old people moving and how traumatic it is i mean moving is really traumatic and then for like elderly people one thing they were saying helped is if they had like the exact same layout in their yeah, new house exactly. and it's like it is significantly rattling
0: no yeah they have basically once they move from their home that they've been in for a while they have like a year to live yeah i mean depending on people's like
1: that's what happened with my grandma it
0: happened with my grandparents moved both of moved
1: to nashville from san diego and lived in like a home and she just her she declined really fast yeah
0: that's what happens yeah that's what we can afford to do and i hate that it's so scary but yeah, he finally gets the best of the best eye doctor and like he can see through his eye only because he was like talking to DVF, Diana von Frutensberg, when he was like, I need this surgeon, but he's all booked up. And she's like, oh, that's my doctor. And I'm like, rich people and their health up,
1: And he's like, oh, I can fit him in. And it's like, what the hell? So what did you just like tell some poor person to go like deal with their eyeball themselves? I'm glad that he
0: can see. But I'm also just like, this makes me mad at the healthcare system. I'm like, the fact, I don't know. Well, the he theory. was the
1: best. I mean, he fixed his eye, so he is the best. Yeah, And then he's like, I had my sight partially back. It felt like a miracle, but now I had to bury my mother. I mean, come on, dude, see the glass half full.
0: At least you can see now, you can see your dead mom.
1: And then his dad is an absolute softie
0: at the funeral. I know, that was that was a shock to him and us, honestly, as we go through this book. But he talks about like this was in 30 years on the big welcoming smiles were undimmed and so supportive giving the loss we were all there to com- commemorate together and uh, the colorful fabrics the scent of food on the warm breezes the way the humidity made people's skin glow all of it brought me closer to my mother whose spirit i could sense keenly in the sea air
1: because he's in ghana right
0: yeah he's in ghana and he talks about how like like funerals are really big deal as like They are mostly in most places except for, like, U.S. and some Western countries. Like, everyone, like, dresses their best and turning it out because they never know who they're going to meet. And he says, like, really, though, like, a lot of Ghanian marriages are forged at funerals. He's like, it would be a great rom-com if someone needs to.
1: Dude, (laughs) so good. (laughs) Because I
0: was like, yeah, that's true. I love that idea. They're not, like, he talks about how Ghanians aren't demonstratively affectionate for each other. So seeing him break his military bearing talking about his dad around these army friends told me how much he he loved him and how much pain he was really in like if he had died first i wonder what she have said. yeah he walks around ghana
1: it's changed a lot he talks about how like talking about feelings so openly was just so american and so white but he f- like eventually just caves and starts going to therapy because someone suggests it
0: yeah this is like what i would be
1: like I would be on bed rest for six months after all this. Yeah, it's a lot. His friend is like, hey, you should go see my therapist. She looks just like Barbara Streisand. And he's like, yeah, she does look like Barbara Streisand. And then she tells him within five minutes that he has post-traumatic stress disorder, which I'm like, can you diagnose someone in five minutes? It took a year of twice weekly
0: sessions with the doctor to break down and then rebuild how I reacted to stress and misfortune. Her approach was cognitive behavioral therapy, so her sessions were squarely focused on delineating and uh, tracking how my mental processes worked and how I could buy my way out of them. I was happy not to talk endlessly about my childhood instead simply concentrate on what to do with problems when they came up.
1: I like CBT. I did that and it was super helpful. And then his sister Akua, his sister slash accountant Akua starts putting together letters but an application for him to be like, the most excellent order of the British Empire for his diver- services to diversity and fashion. I don't feel like I fully have Akua pegged. Like, is this a business thing she's doing for him? Or is she like, oh my god, my brother's so great, he needs to win this award? I think it might
0: be a mix of both.
1: And this is a big deal. Like, dad comes and, like, they have a touching moment. Very rare. Yeah.
0: Never, he was like, he was just like, it
1: was crazy. He said he was only supposed Supposed to bring one person with him to Buckingham Palace, but he managed to grow the list. Alec comes. Akua, his father, of course, Naomi. And yeah, she, Naomi, books a suite at Claridge's to throw a lunch for his family. It was Sunday roast, but Naomi style. There was also jerk chicken and rice and peas. Yummy. Kate Moss comes and she was characteristically late. That's so Kate. I know. He talks
0: about Kate. She's like singing a song. And what else did she do? Like she like... Did this whole bit, and I'm like, damn, full of life and fun. Yeah. And yeah, she came in and started singing Big Spender in a beautiful, soft and sentimental manner. The minute you walked in the joint, she sang, slinking over to me. I could tell you were a man of distinction, I guess. I could
1: tell you were a man Is- of distinction. A real nun. Do you know this song? Hey, Big Spender. Oh, you do? Spend a little time on me. Wow. You don't know that song? No. The you walked through the door. <laughs> i'm like really impressed <laughs> are you kate moss i yes <laughs> i just love how this whole book he's like kate moss is so silly and not anorexic and you're like
0: okay <laughs> let's like be very clear she does not do hard drugs and
1: kate was there singing a song and eating a huge sandwich <laughs> like all right that never she was happened. kicking up
0: life like and coherently speaking every yeah. word she said right right yeah Anyways, like, she really gets on. And then she does, like, some makeup on somebody, right? Like.
1: Oh, yeah. She gives someone a makeover. I'm like, is this. Alex's mother,
0: a full-bone kabuki
1: face, which I was like, is this offensive? Yeah. Interesting. And complete with the
0: chopsticks pushed into her hair. I'm like, is this problematic?
1: I don't know. No, No, it's just typical Kate. (laughs) And then there was Mayor Crosby and in full busting major moves. And like somewhere along, the la- some- somewhere along the way, he learned to dance, like, and then they smile and embrace each other. It was heartfelt. That was an achievement, too. I liked that.
0: Yeah, it seems like they were just partying and having a good time as a family. And I think his dad could look past the gay part. Even I don't even know if he knows it,
1: but it's pretty obvious. As long as you make yeah, a certain Alex amount of money. comes. Right, right. <laughs> Right, yeah. That's, like, first and foremost, as long as you're successful. It's also, like, it's fine that he has a creative career because, like, he's so successful. Yeah. Also, did you know Kate Moss married Johnny Depp? I didn't. I forgot if I did know. Kate Moss and Johnny Depp dated from 1994 until 1997. Okay. He married that French. She probably got him at his best, honestly. No, she did. That's the, that was the best time. Any, it's kind of just the
0: decline. The scarves. The scarves. The scarves. The tiny scarves. He wore tiny scarves? Then he does now. It's oh, very like like he's just dad rock he wears a bunch of rings on his fingers he thinks he's so fucking cool He was in
1: like a like a cologne commercial where it's like there's like a wolf or something and it's like okay and then he talks about the 2016 election which i feel like is like a 9-11 of memoirs also where it's like and then the 2016 election half just being like it was awful of course it was yeah and i'm like and he compares it to brexit he like talks about the similarities there he says that fashion is Too often and too easily written off as unimportant, yet I have always known that fashion has a unique power. When the world feels like it is shutting down, I can touch everyday imaginations and propose an alternative way to dream. Fashion is a borderless industry that is powered by immigrants. As I looked around New York, Fashion Week in early March, I saw how 90% of my colleagues living and working there were originally from other countries. We need to make a collective statement, one that he worked on with Alec. They booked a studio. They called everyone they knew in the business. And they, like, basically got together and had a meeting about...
0: So they made this video, essentially, getting a bunch of people that they know that's saying, I am an immigrant in people's native tongues. He's, he just wanted to show he was in solidarity. And then he used Diane von Frustenberg about how she's an immigrant. I don't know. I, I cringe a little bit about this whole thing because it's just, like, rich people getting together, being like, hey, I'm like, you could create a whole there's just so much you could potentially do and what you do is make a a video
1: right being like i'm an immigrant and i'm rich see not all immigrants are bad some of them are rich yeah
0: some of them look white you know like can you believe it um and he also talks about this is my other big problem and i had like to think about this because i think his role is important and i do think his role is interesting i do think he gives a lot to british folk as a editor, and I do think there needs to be more black people, period, in media outlets. But he talks about how there was a short film that he created and cast and styled for Gap, called Bridging the Gap and he was just talking about how like it was diversity showing off t-shirt and jeans and I just want to say it's still commercial at the end of the day he also
1: calls t-shirt and jeans like the ultimate leveler or something and I'm like no they're literally not they're really not it's like that is a t-shirt and jeans is like the outfit that that like famously skinny people can like be like this is an outfit but like fat people look like they're not trying they didn't get dressed yeah
0: exactly and I just like his capitalism is showing you know he really he he thinks the value of diversity is more important than getting rid of capitalism which is what capitalism wants you to believe (laughs) and i was reading this huge this long essay from socialist alternative and i just want to say i did read these articles socialist alternative because i'm about to use them corporate identity politics corporate identity politics are very well funded like American Express rolled about a billion dollars plan to promote racial equality. Pepsi's spending 400 million to dismantle the systematic racial barriers that block social and economic progress for Black people. Um, Apple's devoting 100 million to a racial justice equity initiative. And then they also talk about how DEIs are like also a money making business and their corporations. Corporate organizational charts now include DI departments that are led by highly compensated executives, not to necessarily change the dynamic or the system itself, but to make it look like they are. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Just to, and they also talk about how Malcolm X and the Black Panther did not receive corporate funding. It is no accident that key theme of corporate social justice today is to promote the idea of black freedom means black capitalism within the overall American framework. This is captured in a slogan, Black Wealth Matters, and the focus of deconstruction of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Massacre of 1921. To the extent there is Black capitalist elite, its class interests are more aligned with those of the American ruling class as a whole rather than the Black working class who make up the majority of the Black population. And just essentially being like, capitalism, your commercial, your Gallup commercial isn't saving Black people, essentially, and I think the way he writes about it bothered me in the sense that he made it sound like, look, this is this is impacting things. And although he is, and I'm glad that he exists in his position, and I think there needs to be more Black people in media because we are in capitalist system. and might as well have more Black people in power, absolutely. But to like pull it off as like this is very important work, not true. It's just not true. It's like it, you're you're again focusing on diversity into capitalism as the priority like objective versus like dismantling capitalism and making sure that people aren't oppressed.
1: Right. Yeah, and I think like even like some of the ones like he talks about like doing the black issue for Vogue Italia or that to me does feel more meaningful than like a gap ad because it's like allowing people to see themselves in a magazine that is like responsible for setting a lot of the tone of like what you're supposed to look like and how life is supposed to look like having that be like being black is aspirational like you can be you can do high fashion and whatever like there is meaning in that but i i also yeah agree that like he is coming at this from like a capitalist perspective of like work hard you can get where i am like the work
0: like i don't think he fully i don't know if he even recognizes this but at the same time he does talk about how vogue is dangerous and how like they created these standards. Um, but I'm like he's I also critique him a little bit on the fact that he I don't think it's fair that he has to be the one to stand up for black people. I, I that's that is part of the problem. And that's. I feel like I'm putting even too much pressure about it, but it is just, like, if he's going to be speaking up about it through, like, a commercial, I just can't not let it go. Yeah, but he's also very critical of Donald Trump and, like, all these things that obviously you should be, especially if you're, like, a black immigrant gay. Like, gay, like he said, that those people are obviously hate everything he stands for. But he's not critical of Anna. Like, these are
1: the things where I'm just like... Well, he can't be. It's like he works for her, and it's like, yeah. So you understand why, but, yeah, it's also, like... He can be critical of Vogue to a point, And he also is like still working within that. Working within structure. that structure.
0: And he definitely talks about it. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's just kind of interesting how he kind of like walks around these relationships and, and, and kind of just shows you what it is to work within a white supremacist system. He can't be completely like critical of what he needs to be critical of.
1: He hears that Alex Shulman is leaving British Vogue. She had been at the role for 27 years, decided to move on. Hint, hint, maybe other people should decide to move on. It was a coveted post, though I felt the magazine had languished creatively and tonally, speaking to almost exclusively an upper- to middle-class pocket of Britishness. He had also been told that Franca Sozzani of Italian Vogue had told someone that she, Edward was the only person that she thought could take over Vogue Italia when she was gone which I'm like, does he speak Italian? I'm sure she's... No, but did Edward speak Italian? Is Italian Vogue in Italian? Oh, yeah. But how could he be in charge of Italian Vogue? If he just- Good fucking point. Just wondering. I bet everybody
0: speaks English in that group I'm sure because right. it's like part of Condé Nast I'm, I'm sure right. that I'm sure they're communicating with people all the time that speak English yeah but yeah I'm also curious like was it her last breath mm-hmm. right she's like
1: Edward <laughs> Edward he was like on her <laughs> you have gotta take over to Vogue <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's like father son Edward and <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> father son and house of edible yeah. so he wants to create a, a British vogue that's not just for the upper crust well, and- too bad honestly too fucking bad <laughs> he wanted it to be a reference to British society at large he proposed three main tent poles because he gets like an interview at British Vogue and he has to like, he has to like tell them what his vision would be. So he proposes reflection, which meant protecting and evolving Vogue's legacy of excellence, documentation, or showing the world around us in all its real diversity and dynamicism and projection or imagining what could be possible for the future. He does this mock-up. It takes him a long time and he gets the job. Yay! Woo-hoo! He's a British
0: Vogue editor and... Yeah, and then he starts making really cool shit. I really do enjoy his covers in comparison to anything else and his
1: uh, layout. He does talk about how, like, it be, it's a big news story. So, like, with any in- incoming editor-in-chief, like, it's standard to make personnel changes. We know that when Anna started, like, whenever Anna went to a different magazine, she would fire a bunch of people. So he comes in with guns blazing, or so it seemed, and the press, like, just publishes all these stories about this radical gay black man, like, you know, just firing a bunch of people and, you know, changing it. And he was really shocked and saddened to, like, um, he said that, like, he even saw the skepticism from Alex Shulman, who, after leaving British Vogue, became a monthly columnist at this website called The Business of Fashion, and a month before his first issue hit the newsstand in November, she wrote an op-ed denouncing the, quote, new breed of editor-in-chief, the new guard of editors, she wrote, will be less magazine journalists and more celebrities or fashion personalities with substantial social media followings. Make what you will the timing of her column. I don't rec- recall Zadie Smith or Salman Rushdie writing for her British Vogue as they would for me. There you go. So he gets some, like you know, some backlash, some some like racism around like him taking this position. I guess.
0: I mean, yeah, that was definitely gonna happen, especially with British Vogue, because it was so like boring and stuffy before he got in there he you know COVID-19 happens in 2020.
1: Megan Markle's a guest editor of their September issue in 2019. He didn't even put people on the cover at
0: all which mm. I love mm-hmm. on the month of August he just commissioned a bunch of landscapes from 14 British artists to counteract the cla- claustrophobia of confinement
1: that would be so cool to be in that position and be able to like commission artwork
0: i know i'd be like make it that because at this point vogue isn't making you shit like people are not buying
1: vogue like i thought i just feel like at this point apparently people are Don't believe it. He does talk about like, yeah, how difficult it is to continue during a pandemic. Confinement was further proof that no matter where we are or what we endure, fashion is always there with us. They shoot Dame Judi Dench for the cover, 86 years old, the oldest cover star in the history of the magazine. They celebrate front line workers on the cover. So, they're yeah, they're doing different stuff. He talks about, it's like the pandemic takes him back to the ID days where I didn't have every resource at my fingertips, just energy and creativity and talented collaborators. I saw George Floyd being murdered, and he was struck by how the entire world came to support my race. This extends to Conde Nast, which responded to the increased awareness by creating an I- diversity and inclusion program that included pay and hire, hiring transparency which is like, you know, he, he's given them a lot of credit.
0: Yes, but I do, he does talk about it a lot to
1: where I'm like, are you saying you're doing this? And I would like to see if you're doing this. Right, like rather than just putting people on covers, which is like important and representation matters. But like, you also want to know that like, yeah, he's.
0: Yeah, and there's also a whole thing with like, I don't know, I have watched a few like, Old models talk about their experiences of doing like editorial. First is commercial and commercials where you get all the money, like literally how you make money. Editorial spreads, no one makes fucking money. Not even like the stylist, not even like the photographer, not even the only thing that makes money is editor that's like running it because that's their commission. That's like their job is to basically do layouts. But like people aren't getting paid in that position. And I, I think something that he could do for, especially for those black models that he wants to present is pay them. And I don't know if he is or not. And I don't, but I'm assuming no. <laughs> yeah. Some. He also talks about this racist interaction that he has, and then when
1: he's like going into the British Vogue, like the Vogue, he goes into house. the office, like the the day the office is open. So he goes to Twitter. He says, unlike the younger kids who work in my building and most younger kids in their places of work, I have the power to do something about it. So I went public. So he talks about it on. On Twitter, he says, fashion wields traditional power in terms of economics and jobs, but also its soft power has a tremendous influence, and I'm not sure soft power has ever been more crucial. Fashion's ability to shape conversations and empower individuals and communities will only become more potent in the years to come. Fashion is a language that's some Roland Barthes for you in and of itself and deserves its own much deeper reckoning. And that's where we are done. I mean, I don't know why I said it like that.
0: That's where we end because it is finished. The book is
1: finished, (laughs) so the podcast is finished. I hope you guys
0: enjoyed it. Now we're going to go eat and then out to some drinky drinks. Love
1: you. You. Love you. I was going to ask them to rate. Oh, yeah, we should ask. Wait, did we do that at the beginning? We did the beginning, but I mean, if you've made it this far in the podcast. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you.